Well, good morning again, and we are so thankful that you all have chosen to join us here this morning, and I hope just like that song says, that you'll rejoice in this day. Guys, this has been a really challenging time for us, but I am so excited to see all of the amazing things that have come from this situation that we have found ourselves in. I've seen lots of great stories about people who are reaching out to help other people, and what a great time that we have been given this opportunity where pretty much everything is canceled. There's no movies, uh, there's no sports, which makes me wanna cry. Um, there, there's just not a whole lot of other things going on to distract us. So I really hope that you're taking advantage of this time to spend some time with your family, to spend some time with God, to spend some time in the word, spend time in prayer, and really just maybe reconnect with some folks you just haven't had time to reconnect to. So I hope that you'll take advantage of that. And guys, just be, be on the lookout for ways that you can help to encourage other people and inspire other people and just try to keep a positive mindset. And before we know it, this season is gonna be over and things will be back to normal and you guys will all be sitting right here with your smiling faces and boy, we just cannot wait for that time to come. So we're excited to have you with us here this morning. Last week, we started a series called The Greatest Story Ever Told and we talked a little bit about the prophecy about Jesus coming to earth to die for our sins. So this week, we're gonna take that one step further and we're gonna look at just one small segment of Jesus's life. And that's gonna be the way that Jesus taught. Because I think this is super important for us to understand is when we look at the way that Jesus made disciples, that gives us a perfect model of how we should make disciples as well. So what we're gonna do this morning is we are gonna spend some time talking about the parables and why Jesus taught in parables. And we know that... We know that he taught in parables for a reason, and we're actually going to dig into that today as well. So let's go ahead and, if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 13. And in Matthew chapter 13 is where we're going to start. Now, you'll find that in Matthew chapter 13 is where a lot of the parables of Jesus are actually found. Sometimes you'll hear that referred to as the parable chapter. So we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to talk a little bit about the parable of the sower. Now, I know this is a pretty familiar parable probably for most of you. I don't think this is going to be brand new information, but I think that it's a great time for us to take a step back and look at the way that Jesus taught and how we can do that very same thing when we are trying to teach others and trying to lead others to Jesus. So pick up with me, if you would, in Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it with all of the people, while all the people stood on the shore. So we see that we find that Jesus is actually going to be teaching to the people. And there were so many people there that he actually got into a boat. Now, keep in mind where we're at here is people had started to kind of get the idea of what Jesus was all about and had started to kind of follow him around. So these people wanted to know what Jesus had to say. And that's where we pick up in Matthew. So let's pick up in verse three. It says, then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, a lot of times we may think, you know, because we're here in, in Orange County, we, this may not relate to us so much because we don't really think about sowing the seed or farming or things like that. But like for me, I grew up in a really small town in the Midwest surrounded by cornfields. So this really speaks to me. And what we have to remember is this would have spoken to the people back then as well. Because see, Jesus taught, taught them in ways they could understand. So 
we, you didn't just run out to 7-Eleven or you didn't just run out to the grocery store back then when you were hungry. You, they actually had to grow their own food and plan ahead. So this parable of the sower may not resonate with us as much, but it certainly would have resonated to the people at this time and in this place. So let's go ahead and continue with the parable. It says, as he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. So we're going to see a total of four different ways that the sower sowed the seed. And in this case, the sower sowed the seed on a path. And to us, we think of maybe a sidewalk or a driveway. And as we know, there'd be no way for those seeds to actually fall into the ground and for roots to grow. So what happened? In the, in the parable, the birds came and ate the seed. So this is, this is exactly what happens to us as well. Is sometimes we make this decision that we're going to, that we're going to follow Jesus but that's all we do is we, we make a profession or we say that we're going to follow Jesus, but we never take the next step. And just like how the birds would have taken this seed, the enemy comes in and takes us before we have a chance to plant our roots and before we're able to really develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing that we see in this parable. As we move forward in the passage, we're going to pick up in verse 5. It says, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were weathered because they had no roots. Guys, have you ever seen somebody that makes a decision to follow Jesus and they are just on fire for Jesus? And... They say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. And they run out and they buy a Bible and they run out and they buy a gold cross and they, they put the Jesus fish on the bumper of their car and, and they're just on fire like, I'm going to follow Jesus. This is what I want to do. And then you check in with that person a couple weeks later and they've already decided, ah, you know what, this, this Christianity thing, it's just not for me. Well, first of all, when they say it's not for me, they've missed the whole point because Christianity is not an it, it's a who. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. So they never formed that relationship with Jesus Christ. So they came up quick, and they were on fire for the Lord. And yes, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And yes, I just got baptized, and I'm ready to go, and I'm ready to fight for you. And then what happens is a couple of weeks later, they're just not there anymore because they never took the time to build a relationship with Jesus Christ and get those firm roots that we know that you need in order to bear fruit. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on. But that's what happens sometimes, is, is we're so excited when we first come to see Jesus. And hopefully you guys can remember the day that you were baptized and you came up out of that water and you were like, yes, I am ready to go. I'm ready to go out and make disciples. and I'm going to follow Jesus for my whole life. And hopefully you took that to the next step and you built that relationship and you built those, that root system that you needed to be strong in your faith and you didn't just let it go a few weeks later. And that's what happens when we have the shallow soil because we're not able to build those roots. So we don't want to be like number two. When we pick up number three in verse seven, it says, other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Unfortunately, this is something that happens to us as well, is we're, things are going great and we're following Jesus and we're doing his will and we're reading our Bibles and we're going to church and we're serving and we're doing all the things that we should be doing and all of a sudden we start getting choked out by the thorns. 
And you say, well, what does that mean? What do you mean choked out by the thorns? I'm not getting choked out by thorns. But it's the same type of thing that happens in our lives. Whether that be of a sinful nature and it's an addiction or it's drinking or it's drugs or whatever the case may be, those things that are pulling us away from Jesus. Or maybe it's because we're not putting Him first because our work is more important or making money is more important or sports is more important. Those are the thorns that are coming in and choking out our spirit and choking out our ability to bear fruit for Jesus. So we have to be so careful about being number three as well because again, those thorns can come in and maybe it's not even work and maybe it's not even school and maybe it's not that. Maybe it's the company that we keep. Maybe we're hanging out with the wrong people and they're pulling us away from what we're supposed to be doing through Christ Jesus. But we make those decisions that, yes, I'm going to do this or I'm going to go there because it's easier to just go with the flow and go with what everybody else is doing. But again, that's choking out our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we have to be so very careful about that. So let's pick up as we, as we see the, the kind of the culmination of this story, it says in, in verse 8, it says, Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So here's the thing about this parable. This last one we see is that perfect scenario, right? It's where, it's where the seed falls in the good soil, where it gets plenty of water and it gets plenty of light and it gets plenty of all of the nutrients that it needs to grow and to bear fruit. And that's exactly what we need to do. Now here's the sobering part. It's one out of four seeds that are sown that are actually going to come forth and bear fruit. One out of four. So how do we make sure that we're that one out of four that's going to grow and bear fruit and make disciples? Well, we have, to, we have to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And how do we have that relationship with Jesus? We have to do our part in the relationship. He already did the hard part. He came to earth and lived as a man and died on the cross so that we could have everlasting life. But we've got to do our part because he wants to have a relationship with us. It's not a one-way street. We can't just say, oh, thanks, Jesus, for doing all the work, and, and I'm good. I'm going to live my life however I want to live it. But I still want to go to heaven at the end of the day. That's just not the way it works. We have to have a relationship with him that he wants to have with us. And what an amazing thing that our God and our Father and the creator of this universe wants to have a relationship with us. But we have to do our part. Well, how do we do our part? We do our part when we spend time in prayer. He wants to hear from us. Think about anybody who's important in your life. Do you want to talk to them? Of course you do, right? You want to text them, you want to call them, you want to FaceTime them, whatever the case may be. If they're important to you, you find a way. Well, we've got to find a way to make communication and to talk to Jesus. We've got to spend time in the Word. If we're not spending time in the Word, how do we know what God expects of us? And how do we know what His plan is for us? And how do we know what we need to be doing if we don't spend time in the Word to truly understand it? And when we do that, we're saying, God, you're important enough to me that I want to take the time to read about you and about the life of Jesus and make sure that I know what I need to be doing so that I can be that fourth seed that's going to fall in the good soil, that's going to get the sun, that's going to get the water it needs, 
and is going to grow to bear fruit for you because we're called to make disciples. We're not called to grow our church. We're not called to grow ourselves. We're called to make disciples of men. So we need to be able to go out and do that, but we can't do that if we don't set a firm foundation for ourselves, if we don't have that firm root system that we need. We've got to do it. And we know how to do it, but we have to take the time and make it a priority and do that. And right now, guys, we have extra time, most of us anyway. I mean, yes, some of us are still working and we're still in school and things like that, but we have extra time because we're not able to go out and do the social things that we would normally be doing. But what a great time to really invest in ourselves and to really grow in our faith and grow in our strength and grow in our knowledge and be able to start reaching out to other people. We have amazing technology that allows us to do this now. I know here at the church we're using a, a program called Zoom that allows us to do some video conferencing. We did it with the, the young adults this week. We did it with the youth group this week. We did it with the adult Bible study. Guys, even though we're practicing social distancing and we're doing the things that we should be doing to help keep ourselves safe, there's no reason that we have to stop doing Jesus' work because of this situation. See, we can't let that stop us. Right? We can't let this, this, this pandemic that's going on become the thorns that choke out the work of Jesus. We have to continue to do his work despite the circumstances. And that's exactly what we see in the Bible, is we see that they did the Lord's work despite being thrown in prison. Paul wrote his letters, a lot of his letters to the early churches from a prison cell. He could have easily just said, you know what? I'm in prison, so I'm not going to do anything at this point. There's nothing I can do. How can I do anything to encourage other people or to spread the word of Jesus when I'm sitting in a prison cell? But he didn't do that. He said, look, here's what I can do. I can continue to pray for people. I can continue to write letters to people. I can do what I need to do to advance the gospel despite my situation. And guys, that's exactly the situation that we're in right now. We may not be able to physically go knock on doors and we can't shake hands and we can't hug and we can't have the close human contact that we may want to have. But what we can do is we can send letters. I know it's archaic at this point, but you can actually put pen to paper. We can send a text message. We can, we can video call people. We can use Zoom. Guys, there are so many different ways for us to continue to do the work of Jesus and to plant these seeds in what is hopefully fertile ground that we can't use the outside world as our excuse to say, you know what, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm good. I don't need to do the work of Jesus right now because there's a pandemic going on. I don't think that's the case, guys. I don't think that's the case. I think he's taken all the distractions away so that we can focus on him and focus on what we need to be doing. And that's what I love about these parables that we're reading is because Jesus met people where they were and he talked to them about things that they understood so that he could get his message across to them. So let's go ahead and move forward in our scripture. <clears throat> in verse 10, it says, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? So the disciples wanted to understand as well. They're saying, hey, wait a minute. You're always telling these stories. Well, why do you do that? Why do you not just lay it out for them exactly how it is in these ancient scrolls and these ancient scriptures that we've been talking about? And Jesus is going to answer their question. Now, this is the cool part. Not only is he going to answer their question, but he's going to refer back to the book of Isaiah, just like we did last week. And we're going to see how he refers back to Isaiah, talking about how one day the Messiah would come and teach the people. So let's move forward. Let's pick up in verse 11. It says, he replied, 
because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. So what he's saying here is the disciples get it because they've been following Jesus and he's been teaching them and they get it. They understand it. But what he's saying is just because you get it doesn't mean that everybody gets it. So we got to figure out a way to make sure that everybody else gets it as well. So when we continue reading, it says, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. It says, this is why I speak to them in parables. It says, through seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. It says, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For his people's heart has become calloused. It says that (laughs) they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. So what's he talking about here? He's talking about the fact that even though people have seen the amazing things that Jesus has done through his miracles and through the things that he did during his time on earth, and even though they heard the teachings that he was doing, they weren't truly seeing and they weren't truly hearing what Jesus was trying to do. And that's why he's saying, this is why I speak in parables. Because they've had these scrolls and they didn't understand them. They've seen the miracles and they didn't understand them. They've heard my teaching and they didn't get it. So what did Jesus do? He found a way to help them get it. And that's what I love about the way that Jesus taught while he was here on earth. Is he taught in a way so people could get it. And that's exactly what we have to do. Right? Yes, there's a time and a place for quoting scripture, but when you're first introducing someone to Jesus Christ, quoting from the Bible probably isn't going isn't to resonate with them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't know the Bible and be able to quote the Bible. Don't hear that. Hear this. That's not the way to win a new person to Jesus. You do it by telling them about the amazing things that Jesus has done in your life. You talk to them about things that they can relate to. I went through some really hard times in my life and Jesus pulled me out of that. Now, by sharing that story with other people, that's what's going to get people to want to know more about our amazing Lord and Savior. And then is when we can dig into the Bible and start showing them the stories of Jesus and the parables of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus and what Jesus' plan for salvation is. But it starts just like with Jesus. It started with love. He loved people. And he wanted to heal people and he wanted to help people and he wanted to teach people and he wanted everyone to go to heaven. And that's exactly how we have to be. We don't get to pick and choose. The Bible doesn't say pick and choose. Go pick some people that you want to make disciples out of. It says take the gospel to everyone, every man and woman, not just who we want to talk to or who we think needs Jesus because the bottom line is everybody needs Jesus. It's not up to us to make that decision. But just like we see in this parable, only one out of the four seeds is going to fall on the good soil and truly take root and grow to bear fruit. It's just like when you go fishing, right? They call it fishing. They don't call it catching, right? You throw your line in over and over and over and over and over again, and then hopefully you finally catch a fish. It's the same thing. 
is we have to keep throwing that net out. We have to keep throwing that line in the water because if your line is not in the water, you're never going to catch a fish. But that's exactly what Jesus did. He knew that not every single person he told these stories to was going to become a convert and going to change to Christianity and follow him. But that didn't stop him from telling everyone about the amazing plan of salvation. Now, we're going to switch gears just a little bit and go over to John chapter 15, verse 8, because when we're talking about this parable of the sower, this is the verse that kind of brings it all home for us. It says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Guys, these are the words in red. These are the words of Jesus. Almost everything that we read today, with the exception of where it says, when the apostles asked him a question, are the words in red. This is Jesus speaking. So we know that this is something we need to pay attention to. And we know, we see here in John chapter 15, that he wants us to bear fruit. So we've got to be that good soil. We've got to be receptive to the teachings of Jesus. We have to build strong roots in Jesus. And only then can we continue to bear fruit for Jesus. So what do we want to take away from this? A couple of things. Number one, we know that Jesus did some amazing things while he was here on earth. And as we get ready to go through this series, and next week is is going to be our Palm Sunday service, and the following week will be Easter service. So we kind of started at the beginning last week with the prophecy of Jesus coming, and then this week we talked a little bit about Jesus' ministry and how he ministered to people. But this is, what, this is what I want you to remember from the way that Jesus taught, because I think we can learn a lot from this, is that Jesus met the people where they were. When we look at the life of Jesus and we look at the, the different ways that Jesus taught and the different places that Jesus taught, he didn't sit in the synagogue and wait for people to come to him. He went to where they were. He ate with the prostitutes. He ate with the sinners. He ate with the tax collectors. He went to where they were. He didn't sit back and say, I'll let him find me. Because chances are the people in this place in this time could have found him. Because at this point, he's starting to gain some popularity and some momentum, so to speak. Not that that's what he was looking for. But people could have come to him. He could have just sat back and waited. Said, eh, they'll find me eventually. They'll come to me. No, he went to where the people were. He went to where the people needed to hear his message. He went to where people needed to be healed. He went to the places that he could make a difference. He didn't just sit back with his disciples and say, eh, I'm just going to talk to you guys about God, and I'm just going to talk to you guys about what we're trying to do here, and if people find us, they find us. That's not the model that Jesus made for us. He went out and met the people where they were, and that's exactly what we have to do. So how do we do that? I'm not saying go stand on a street corner with a megaphone and a sign. That's not what I'm talking about. But we meet people where they are. The people at your work, the people on your sports teams, the people that you hang out with socially, are you inviting those folks to church? Are you sharing Jesus with those people, just like how Jesus went and shared with everybody? I don't know if you are or not, but I hope you are, because we've got to meet people where they are. The second one is an old saying that we used to have, because I did sales for a very long time, and it was, keep it simple And the KISS stands for keep it simple, stupid. That's what we used to say. So here's what I mean by that. I worked in insurance for a very long time. I knew all the big fancy words. 
I knew all of the different things that you could say that were kind of lingo, right? But that's not how you explained it to somebody who wasn't familiar with it. You broke it down into easy terms that everyone can understand. And that's how Jesus taught. He used parables because he talked about things that people could understand. He talked about things like farming because people could relate to farming. He talked about things like being a shepherd because people could relate to that. He talked about things people could relate to. Now, yes, in some of his parables, he left us wanting a little bit more, right? Because he wants us to do a little work for it. He wants us to dig in. He wants us to ask questions, but he kept it simple so that people could understand it. You know, sometimes as Christians, we get caught up in ourselves and in our own head, right? And we want to use Christian words and we want to use Christian verbiage that people may or may not understand or church speak, so to, so to say. But we've got to break it down and make it as easy for people to understand as we possibly can because that's what's going to attract people to it. So we've got to keep it simple. We've got to talk about things they can understand. We've got to be real with people and tell them of how Jesus has impacted our lives. And when we do that, hopefully they're going to see that as something they want in their own lives as well. Because when we're living a life of truly following Jesus, we should look a little different, right? We should look a little different than everybody else. We should stand out a little bit from the people we work with. And maybe it's because we don't have inappropriate conversations. And maybe it's the language that we use. But there should be something about us that sets us apart from the world because we're taught to be, we have to be in the world, right? But we shouldn't be of the world, right? So we got to meet people where they are. And I'm not saying you got to go to every cubicle at your office and say, hey, do you know about Jesus? That's not what I'm talking about. But look for those ways to share that there's something different in your life. We have a great opportunity right now. A lot of people are scared and a lot of people are kind of just really depressed and upset about this whole situation, what a great chance we have to show Jesus by being positive, right? And being hopeful. Because we have a hope in Jesus, right? We have a hope as Christ's followers of spending an eternity in heaven. Now, I don't think that this, that this thing that's going on right now is going to be the end for me. But you know what? If it is, I've got to be confident in my relationship with Jesus to know that, you know what, if this is what Jesus decides is the time for me, I know where I'm going. So it doesn't scare me. I have no reason to be afraid. I want to be hopeful and I want to look at the positives and I want to know that this is, if this is Jesus's plan, either way, I'm good with it. You think back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love what they did, right? Because they basically said, look, we're not going to bow down to your idols, even if it means we get thrown into the furnace, because one of two things is going to happen. Either my God is going to save me from it, or I'm going to spend an eternity in heaven. They were good either way. And that's kind of how I look at this situation that we found ourselves in. I'm good either way. If this is it, I'm good, because I'm going to heaven. And if this is not it, then Jesus is going to take care of it, and he's going to protect us, and we're going to move on, and life is going to be back to normal before we know it. But guys, that's what it's all about, is the hope that Jesus taught. He taught hope and he taught love. And that's what I want to leave you with this morning, is a message of hope and a message of love that, hey, just like Jesus, during this time, we're still going to go out and make disciples. And we're still going to have the faith and the hope that we have through our loving God and through the amazing sacrifice that was made on our behalf 
to someday spend eternity in heaven. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day, and we're thankful that we have the ability and the technology that even when the doors of the building may be closed, that we can still come together and find a way, despite the odds, to focus on you, to worship, on you, to worship you. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will continue to be with us. We, continue that you, we pray that you'll continue to calm our fears during this time. We pray that we will continue to find ways to glorify you and to help others through these challenging times. Heavenly Father, we thank you most of all so much for loving us and being willing to send your son so we might have this hope that we have. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. We're going to have another song for you. Uh, we want to encourage you to spend some time in meditation, some time in singing and worshiping along with us, and I'll be back with you in just a few minutes. Hear the holy roar of God resound. Hear the holy roar of God resound. Watch the waters part before us now. Watch the waters part before us now. Come and see what he has done for us. Tell the world of his great love. Our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who Saints, let God arise, let God arise. Our God reigns now and forever, He reigns now and forever. Arise, let God arise. Our God reigns now and forever, He reigns now and forever. Our God is a God who saves. 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 Let God arise. Let God arise. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today on our live stream. Again, we wish we could all be together here in person, uh, but until that time comes, I'm glad that we have this technology that allows us to continue to all be together in spirit and in truth on Sunday mornings. Guys, we love you so much, and we are so thankful that you joined us this morning, and we want to just remind you that if we can help you in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out. If you have prayer requests, there's a spot on the app that you can put that in. You can always email any of the staff or the office as well, and we're still here to help you in any way that we possibly can. Um, again, even though we can't be together, we are still a church family, and we are still here for you. Let's go ahead and just close out with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this opportunity we've had to come together. We pray that you will just put a hedge of protection around each of the families in this church and our extended families, wherever they may be. And Heavenly Father, help us just to continue to look to you during these challenging times. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. 
Still your love fought for me 